today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Now catch that. Within the temple, pagan worship going on right alongside the worship of Yahweh. How do the two mix? They don't mix at all. And I, I think sometimes about today's churches and the, the directions sometimes you see and you say, really, how much of this is truly honoring the Lord and how much is just simply honoring the, the flesh of man or feeding our own desires? He, Ahaz, continued to lead the people further and further away from pure religion and faithfulness to the one true God. He even even sacrificed his own children to these pagan deities. Today, Pastor David talks about the struggle between our fleshly desires and choosing to honor God. Our generation tends to get caught up in media and our own vices. With all of this, it's easy to get distracted and forget to make time for the Lord. What we don't often realize is that our vice can become an idol, which we give priority to over honoring Him. Time spent on unnecessary distractions is time spent away from growing in God's faithfulness. How much time are you spending on distractions as opposed to time with God? Now here's Pastor David in the book of Isaiah as he begins his message, God's Judgment and Comfort. Imagine if you would with me, and it might be a difficult uh, uh, imagining thing, but imagine that there is a country in the world that God had blessed extremely, caused them to prosper abundantly above all other nations. And they had recognized that it was God that had done that for them And again, they gave honor and glory to God in the midst of it. But then as the years went, in the midst of their prosperity, they began to forget about God. They started looking at things other than God. They started literally worshiping their prosperity rather than the one who allowed them to have it and provided it for them. And they, in essence, as a whole, not every individual, but as a whole, they began not only to reject God, but they began to speak against him, act against him, and even outlaw him in many cases. Can you imagine a country being that stupid and that ridiculous? And we sing God bless America, don't we? Well, America, I see them so close in what went through in the life of Israel. Beloved, it ought to cause each of us on a daily basis to shake our heads and wonder, Lord, when will the fullness of your wrath come down upon us? I was listening to a report the other day, and 2017 
was the most expensive and expansive disasters ever in the history of our nation. Between, uh, I believe, four different hurricanes that hit U.S. soil from, again, down in the, the islands and uh, Texas uh, along the East Coast, uh, those kinds of uh, events, the, the fires that seem to go on and on and on in the Pacific Northwest and in California, the, the, the ice storms that, that hit uh, uh, up in the Northeast even right now that they're going through, as well as now the rains that are going into California that are washing things away because there's nothing to hold hold the rain or it's not saturating into the ground at all. Again, we we look at that and we understand, Lord, cause us to open our eyes and to really see that your hand of protection is being lifted further and further away from our nation as we as a nation continue to push further and further away from you. We're in our series right now of Through the Bible in a Year. We've gone Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, on through those. We, we've gone through the books of history, the first and second Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles. We've gone through, again, Ezra, Nehemiah. We've gone through the poetry of uh, Job and Psalms and Proverbs. We've gone through the writings of Solomon, although I remembered the other day we had not, I think we touched on Lamentations. Uh, again, it's a very sad book, but uh, again, some of these we've gone in deeper than others, just again because of the amount of time. We've even had the opportunity to touch on some of the prophets. Well, tonight we're going to be looking at a new book for us as the new year begins. His real name was Yeshua Yahuwah. i say that real fast with a lot of marbles in your mouth. He is one of the best known of the Old Testament prophets His name is mentioned and his writings are quoted more in the New Testament than any other Old Testament prophet. In Luke's gospel record, we find that our Savior on a Sabbath day there in the home synagogue of of his hometown was given a scroll that was written by this man and and, and he read these words from that scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And Luke tells us that he then closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And Jesus began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. By now, you probably understand that the prophet's name, uh, his name means Yahweh is salvation. We know him by the translated version of his name, Isaiah. 
Isaiah, the first of the major prophets, uh, the first of the prophets in our Old Testament. There's five major prophets, 12 minor prophets. He is listed as first within the listing of the prophets, not because his message was written any earlier, not because his message was uh, any more important. He is listed first as a major prophet just simply because of the volume of his work. As important and as powerful as his work is, he's primarily just there as number one list of the prophets because of the size of the book. It was written around 700 BC, about 700 years before the time of Christ, just shortly after actually the fall of the northern kingdom. His writings and his ministry spanned a a time no no less than four different kings of Judah. His ministry went through the the time of the kingdom of Uzziah and, and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah. According to the information that's gathered, uh, King Uzziah's reign was 52 years, and it was in the middle of the 18th century before Christ. Uh, Isaiah must have begun his ministry probably a few years before Uzziah's death. He wasn't there for a long time, just because, again, the expanse of all four of these kings, probably around 740 B.C. It's just a guess there on the uh, information that we have within the Word of God and historically. Isaiah lived until the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign. And Hezekiah died in 698 BC. He is believed also to be a contemporary of Hezekiah's son, Manasseh. Now, Isaiah, again, he could have prophesied for everything that we have information for, for a period of 64 years not living 64, they believe he lived probably uh, 90 years old, but his prophecy, his ministry actually was spread over about 64 years. According to the Talmud, he actually suffered martyrdom by being sawn asunder by Manasseh, the son, the king of Judah, son of Hezekiah. That's not a pretty picture. We see that also in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, as the writer of Hebrews tells us that some were sawn asunder. Again, some believe speaking just like what probably happened to Isaiah. Now, you need to understand that the climate of the land at the point in time that Isaiah prophesied, we're going to find, again, that it was, it was filled with both turmoil and prosperity. It was filled with times of war and it was filled with times of peace. I mean, we're talking a 64-year period, so there was a lot of ebbs and flows. Think about our nation over the last 64 years. We're very close to uh, 2020, so if we just go back another 40 years, 1960-ish to now, how much change have we seen in a nation, as our nation between 1960 and now? Quite extreme. Times of war, times of peace, times of depression, people literally jumping off of buildings when the stock market crashed in the mid, uh, early 2000s. Uh, We've seen it all. Now we see, man, we're a great time of prosperity. Everybody is looking saying, hey, the Dow Jones is up. God must be in our favor. Everything is good. But beloved, that is not necessarily the case, and we need to understand the fullness of that. Now, Uzziah... The first king that he served under, king of the southern kingdom, uh, Judah, he died at 739 B.C. 
Now, following Uzziah's death, his son Jotham then reigned in that southern kingdom. During the reign of Jotham, Judah remained pretty well insulated from any attacks from their enemies, although the Assyrians really desired to take out Judah as well. They were, look, they were going after the northern kingdom, after Israel, and they fell, the northern kingdom fell at 722. So again, during Jotham's time, relative peace. One of the things we also read as we read through both the kings and the chronicle, the books of kings and the chronicles, is that Jotham was, was a godly man. And he actually desired to, to bring the whole nation of, of Judah back to the full worship of Yahweh, God Almighty. However, one of the things we find out, he wasn't successful in bringing about the fullness of the revival that he really desired for the people. I look at our nation over the last 60 years, and I, we've had good, quote-unquote, kings and bad, quote-unquote, kings. And some of them felt they were kings or feel they are. Never mind, we'll move on. Good and bad at different times. Jotham was during, again, a good king. He wanted revival. It didn't completely happen. Following his death, his son Ahaz came to the throne at 20 years of age. He reigned for only 16 years. And although at the beginning he he acknowledged God within his life and within, again, the, 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 the people of Judah, one of the things that we find out, he started going after these foreign gods as well. Ahaz even instituted pagan worship there in the temple alongside the worship of Yahweh. Now catch that. Within the temple, pagan worship going on, right alongside the worship of Yahweh. How do the two mix? They don't mix at all. And I, I think sometimes about today's churches and the, the directions sometimes you see and you say, really, how much of this is truly honoring the Lord and how much is just simply honoring the, the flesh of man or feeding our own desires? He, Ahaz, continued to lead the people further and further away from pure religion and faithfulness to the one true God. He even, he even sacrificed his own children to these pagan deities. The word tells us that he caused his sons to pass through the fire. And that's, the, again, the, the fire, the, the sacrifice of children to Moloch at that point in time. He, made, he, he went to Damascus at one point, and he saw a pagan altar there that, that man, he was just overwhelmed by, by its beauty, its extravagance, and he got all the details of it, came back to Jerusalem, and then required of his craftsmen to make an altar just like that pagan altar, and guess where he put it? Right next to the altar of the Lord. Again, trying to bring both of these things into play. He burned incense to the pagan gods and he encouraged the people in this continual idolatrous way, even in sexual practices that again, just absolutely phenomenal how he would bring the people to that. Well, God's judgment had come to the northern kingdom because they had done the very same thing. When they split from the southern kingdom, almost immediately they left the worship of Yahweh, of Jehovah, the one true God. And so God's judgment came on them. Again, the Assyrians came down there and fought against them. Well, now God's judgment is coming against Judah, the lower kingdom. Even before Israel was defeated, 
while they were still as the northern kingdom, they started coming against the southern kingdom. It was kind of a prelude to judgment. It's kind of like, okay, I'm gonna bring some judgment to you to kind of wake you up. And so the northern kingdom, Israel, before they fell to the Assyrians, they joined with the nation of Syria. And Israel and Syria fought against Judah. Well, Israel actually defeated Judah. They took about 200,000 of the people of Judah as captives. But you know what? There was a prophet by the name of Obed that went to the king of Israel and warned him Don't be doing this because, again, God's judgment is going to come on you. So believe it or not, this northern king, he decides, and again, he had gone away from Yahweh, from Jehovah. He decides, okay, I I will repent from that. So he dressed the wounds of the captives, reclothed them, and sent them back to Judah. And you would think that Ahaz would have gotten the idea and understanding. Man, if we don't change, we're gonna have this kind of punishment again. God's gonna deal with this again. You know, one of the things I learned when I was real young as a child, if I did the thing that got me in trouble yesterday, today, I'm probably gonna get in just as much trouble today as I got yesterday. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer when you're growing up. The problem comes is when instruction and correction and discipline and punishment don't come right away. Let's face it, we get a little cocky as children, don't we? I got away with it, I can do it again. I got away with it, I can do it again, and on and on we go. And so instead of recognizing that it was the grace, the mercy, and the long-suffering of God that was allowing them to continue to even exist, Ahaz just, again, he began getting worse and worse. And so again, it continued on. Uh, He didn't learn his lesson. As a matter of fact, he was determined that he was going to team up with the Assyrians, the ones that actually came and defeated Israel. He decided he was going to go to them and, and, and he would partner up with them. And so he asked the Assyrians to help him fight against Israel and Syria, the other nation. Well, Salmanasser of Assyria he was able to, again, destroy the northern kingdom, take him over, destroying their capital city of Samaria in 722. And so long as Ahaz reigned, the kingdom of Judah had pretty much peace with Assyria. Well, as long as they continued to pay financial tribute to Assyria, that's not the kind of relationship that you want to have. Because eventually, when they decided they weren't, then Assyria started coming out again. Not a positive friendship. Ahaz was a wicked king. He continued to lead the people of Judah away from God during his reign. After Ahaz died, his son Hezekiah gained the throne and desired once again to turn the nation back to God. You know, it's only in the southern kingdom that we see any godly kings at all. And not all of them were godly. Some of them were downright wicked like Ahaz. But here we have Hezekiah desires for the revival. 
you got your Bibles with you. Remember how I told you Sunday? I really want you to bring your Bible so that you can look through it with me. We're going to do a couple of uh, uh, look-arounds before we get into Isaiah because I want you to get, again, the fullness of the understanding of what this prophet is against as he's trying to proclaim the Word of God to a nation that's up and down, back and forth, hot and cold as, as compared to their relationship with God. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 18. This is dealing with Hezekiah as the king of Israel. Second Kings chapter 18, down in verse three, we see that Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Well, his great, great, great grandfather. He was in the line of David. Verse four, he removed the high places and he broke the sacred pillars and he cut down the wooden images. Verse five, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Well, there was a little hiccup along the way in Hezekiah's life. We know that he wasn't perfect, but again, he was one of the good kings. Now, the unfortunate thing, he was the one that was counseled to go ahead and rebel against Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Remember, they're, they're paying tribute to Assyria. And instead of just cutting off the tribute to Assyria and saying, look, we are God's people. We pay tribute to no man because we worship the one true God. No, he decided he was going to trust in horses and chariots. And he went down to Egypt and in essence said, hey, look, we're going to cut our ties with Assyria. It's probably going to be a big war. We need you guys to help us and come and fight against them. Again, it did not work out well and the threat of the Assyrians remained. It's at this point that the prophet Isaiah comes to Hezekiah, encourages him, says, look, don't fear, but you need to trust in the Lord. Now, according to the account in in 2 Kings uh, chapter 19, as Hezekiah did turn and, and put his trust in God, The judgment of God then fell against the Assyrian army and 185,000 of their men were killed in battle. Sennacherib never recovered from that, from the shock of the disaster in Judah, and he made no more expeditions against either the southern kingdom of Judah or against Egypt. It pretty well did him in. And we find that uh, soon from the Assyrians, they are defeated by the Babylonians. Now the Babylonians become the major power of that time. So as we look at this, the remaining years of Hezekiah's reign were peaceful. And yet once again, he passes away and his son Manasseh came to the throne. And once again, Paganism was encouraged, and it is believed, as I said earlier, that it was during Manasseh's reign that he literally cut Isaiah right up the middle and just took his life. So here in Judah, that southern kingdom, we have all of this political and spiritual struggles, all these ups and downs. We have the declines as well as the good times, all of that. Isaiah is the prophet 
that remained faithful to continue to proclaim the message of God's warning against the people, but also the promises to God. Within that same time frame of Isaiah, we have Hosea and Micah. And again, they shared the same kind of message, the kind of message that says the judgment of God is fast approaching. You need to turn now. You need to repent. And then you will see the grace and the mercy of God active on your behalf, as well as his protective hand over you. Have you noticed a theme weaving its way through Pastor David's messages and really through the Bible? That theme is salvation. It's Jesus. From the very beginning, God planned for His Son to come save the world from its sins. You find this plan ingrained in His Word, in the lives of the key people of Scripture, and in the words of truth each book provides. We're so glad you're on this journey with us. Through the Bible, we pray you're finding Jesus not just in the text, but in your everyday life, too. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you'll be able to listen online at theopenword.com. There's several messages there, in fact, and many of them go even more in-depth through a verse-by-verse study of each individual book of God's Word. That website again is theopenword.com. Before our time is up with you today, we'd like to turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I wanted to take a moment and ask you to be praying for the ministry of The Open Word. I know God is working through the messages I've been able to share, and He's opening hearts to His love every step of the way. As Chris was saying, this book I'm teaching from is just filled with grace, and I want everyone to know about it. Would you pray that more and more people would come to know the saving grace of Jesus? Would you pray, too, for all of us who are creating the Open Word program? We want to keep focused on Jesus, not on us. Thanks so much for praying, and thanks for joining me today on The Open Word. Make us more.